Welcome to The Extra, the show that connects you to the topics, people, and issues that are important to you here in the Southern Colorado region. And one topic that, I mean, we talk about it every 10 minutes here on KRDO's Morning News on KRDO News Radio, which just wrapped up, and that's traffic, the roads, how people get around, what is next for our highway system. And once a month, we're so pleased to be welcoming the fine folks from CDOT, Colorado Department of Transportation, and joining us on the KRDO News radio line right now. We're pleased to have with us Amber Shipley, who's the communications manager for Region 2, which includes our region here in Colorado Springs and in Pueblo. First of all, Amber, let me welcome you to the show. Thanks. Good morning, Shannon. Good morning. We have so much to talk about. But one thing uh, that I'd like uh, our listeners to find out from you is uh, with CDOT, sometimes I think there are so many aspects of our state agencies that uh, kind of exist uh, beyond the periphery, beyond the, I guess, the perceptions of what it is that you do uh, among most of the public, the general public. You know, we, we know the roads, you know, are getting fixed for potholes here and cleared of snow there, but uh, what is CDOT's mission? Well, our mission is to provide safe multimodal transport to the traveling public in Colorado. Um, so that's, you know, everything from safe bicycling, bicycling paths um, to the car travel, and obviously uh, rail travel has become um, really highlighted over the last couple of months with some legislation that's been passed and funding that's been passed to try to promote that, um, making travel um, for the masses a little bit easier. Um, it's easier to get on a train and not have to fight traffic. Um, so I know that that's some exciting developments coming up in the next 10 years. Oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine being able to hop on maybe a high-speed commuter rail that would uh, uh, take your trip to the Denver area instead of being an hour and a half or two hours in bad traffic? It might be down to uh, just under an hour. That would be great. Um, well, let's talk about when Colorado, because we're so unique in terms of what kind of weather we face, let's talk about what happens when we get one of these storms. Uh, what do your crews, I, I, I mean, your crews jump into action right away. Tell us about that. Well, usually our crews are stepping in, you know, days in advance of a storm. We get um, storm notifications well in advance. So they're making sure the all the equipment and vehicles are ready to be out on the road. And then what they're doing when they're out there, they're not just plowing the road, they're also assessing the wind, the um, snow globe effect occurring from that wind with snow. So this last storm that occurred just this past, uh, you know, Monday, Sunday, mm -hmm. Monday, we had significant wind that occurred with some significant snow out in the southeast corner, which shut down highways all over southeast Colorado. And that becomes a frustration for people we know. But what we're looking at is not where we're stopping you, where it might be sunny and clear. We know that there are services in that town that we're stopping you at so that you have a place to be warm, you have a place to access food. But 60 miles down the road, there are no services and there are significant drifts occurring and blizzard conditions. We don't want you getting stuck out there and being unsafe. And so that's why we often have to make decisions to shut roads down. 
Right. I mean, there have been uh, terrible stories from Colorado's past of, of uh, you know, cars getting stopped in the middle of a blizzard before, you know, the CDOT was so proactive about it uh, back in the olden days and uh, and people having problems. I think there was even a, a terrible school bus tragedy with some kids on a school bus in, in southern Colorado. And again, that was, you know, way before we had, uh, you know, the ability to predict weather like we do now and the ability to. Um, you know, really take action on our roads. Uh, so that's what the crews do. And one thing I just noticed, um, uh, and and it, maybe it's been going on for a while. So on cotrip.org, which is something mm-hmm. that we're always consulting when the weather gets bad, even when the weather's not bad, uh, there are amazing resources that you can tap into. One, of course, the traffic cameras that can show you what the conditions are like. For instance, if you're trying to go between uh, Colorado Springs and Denver, or Colorado Springs and Pueblo, you can check out those traffic cameras. But also, some of the snowplows are able to transmit pictures as well. Uh, I don't know if that's a new occurrence, but it was a feature I just stumbled on recently, and I'm going, that is cool. Yeah, not all of them have it, but some of them definitely do. I've definitely seen that, and it's a great opportunity. So you can see, you know, what our crews are seeing when they're out there. Um, so it's, it is an excellent tool to use when you're planning your trip. Um, maybe it means, oh, I'll wait an hour before I leave to head to Denver because it looks like traffic's really backed up or the storm is bad and I'll wait until it settles down a little. So cotrip.org is definitely a tool that um, we've developed that is very useful for all of us. And there are also, uh, for those who want to know, excuse me, I'm going to sneeze here. Sorry about that. Um, but gazoon tight to me. Uh, but uh, also, Amber, uh, one of the things I noticed on cotrip.org is is now you have little weather monitoring stations. So in addition to, I mean, I know on KRDO's Storm Tracker 13 uh, weather page on krdo.com, I mean, we have our great weather tools, but we're really tapping into mainly what the National Weather Service has. But it looks like uh, you've established little weather stations in various points that might give people a a better idea of, say, what it might be doing on Monument Hill, what it might be doing at I-25 and Woodman. Really a good feature. Yeah, it does. Most of those, um, you'll see the camera, and it'll also include a little thermometer symbol, and that indicates it has the weather, um, at least some basic weather information for you to obtain. Yeah, because if you know that it's going to be freezing temperatures and you've got precipitation coming down, that in your area is rain, you want to make sure that you're checking the temperatures wherever you need to go. Well, we need to take a break here in about a minute. But before we go to break, just give us a ballpark. I mean, I know statewide you have a ton of uh, snowplow crews who are working the roads when a storm comes. But here in southern Colorado, can you give us like an estimate of how many plow crews are out on the roads when we do have a big storm coming through? Sure. In El Paso County specifically, we usually have 17 to 20 plows on the road at any given time. And once our crews go on snow shift, um, they go in 12-hour shifts so that we're on the roads 24 hours a day, which uh, ensures that we're keeping an eye on what's happening with the roads and that we're keeping them, we're going to work on those roads until they're clear. Now, when we talk about Pueblo County, um, it also includes some of Canyon City and the West Cliff area, so a little bit broader area. We also have 20 plows out um, clearing roads. So El Paso County has a good concentration because there are so many uh, different roadways um, that are highly traveled. 
Right. And and we should mention that this is for state highways. So you also have county plow crews, which are separate, right? And Correct. city plow crews, which are separate. And, uh, yes. and, and, and that's determined by which uh, agency, which entity, I guess, government, <laughs> which part of the government uh, those highways, those roadways belong to, right? That's right. So we do anything that's a Colorado or a U.S. highway. Uh, CDOT is in um, command of getting those cleared for you. And then if it's like your local city street, if you live in um, the middle of Colorado Springs, that's going to be the city that handles that. And typically, like even with us, we, we do the most traveled paths first, and then you get to the side street, you know, so you get to the less traveled areas. So, you know, a lot of times our side streets don't get cleared until the city can get a handle on the major thoroughfares. Yeah, I, I always feel like uh, after uh, traveling roads that have been freshly plowed, I always go, I hope they have some donuts and coffee waiting for them when they get, when they get in somewhere warm, because it is a tough job. Uh, we need to take a break here. Amber Shipley is our guest with CDOT. We've been talking about the snow removal uh, process for CDOT. And, and next, we're going to be talking about uh, their uh, expert advice for driving in the snow. That and more when the extra continues. We're back with The Extra, the show that connects you with the topics, issues, and people that are important to you. And once a month, we check in with our uh, employees at the CDOT agency, Colorado Department of Transportation, and they give us very important uh, information on not just driving, not just uh, snow response, but also projects. So coming up, we're going to be talking about some of those important construction projects uh, that may uh, be. Uh, bringing some improvements, some safety improvements, or uh, you know, more mobility improvements to your uh, routes. But right now, we are talking about what to do in a storm. And so, let's first of all talk about with Amber Shipley. Uh, how should drivers prepare for the potential of storms here? Well, you know, it seems like lately, every few days, we've got a new front moving through that's going to have snow. So. We want to make sure our cars are in good running, operable condition before we head out on, you know, even a short trip to the store could be hazardous if you get stuck in, in snow and cold. So make time to clear your car. And when we say clear your window, it doesn't mean just just a little bit in front of the driver window. It means, you know, the rear windows, the side windows, and the entire windshield so that you have full visibility of other vehicles on the road. And then you want to make sure that your brakes are in good working condition and that your tires have enough tread depth to to give you some traction in the snow or on the ice when you're out there. All right. So so that's our exterior of our cars. What should we have on the interior of our cars? Well, on the inside, you want to make sure, obviously, under the hood, make sure you've got some windshield wiper fluid so you can keep those windows clear for yourself, your windshield clear. And then inside, you know, you might want to carry, if you're going to go on a distance trip, even between here and Denver, um, you know, maybe have a blanket in the car, um, some water, and some protein bars. Like, have some extra stuff in the car so that if you were to get stopped uh, for an extended period, you would have that available. And make sure you stop and fuel up before you take any uh, major destination trips so that you're not uh, likely to run out of fuel when you're, you're on your way if you get stuck sitting in traffic or sitting because of a road closure or a wreck in front of you or something to that of that nature. Um, other than that, um, flashlights are always good to have in the car if you're traveling um, after dark. 
and uh, just making sure you have some things to keep you warm, maybe a clean pair of socks or warm pair of socks that are dry, because if you have to get out of the car, you know how quick um, snow can fall into your shoe and, and kind of ruin your day. <laughs> right. And this is directed at those teenagers out there, those teenage drivers who think, oh, driving in flip-flops uh, with potential snow on the way is a good idea. Uh, definitely yeah. n- not the right plan, right? Yeah, I think we've probably, a lot of us have probably done that in the past, but it's not very wise if you're traveling any distance because if you have to get out of the vehicle for any reason, um, your feet really keep your whole body kind of warm. So it's like when you're sitting at home, those slippers kind of keep you toasty. So make sure that you have, you know, some some good shoes and uh, socks so that, you know, your body can stay warm and, and withstand the temperatures. And that's one thing, you know, another thing when you're out driving in the snow, if you come up on a road closure, um, as I was talking before the break, um, road closures, we put those in place for really specific reasons, and we don't just do it willy-nilly. We're never going to do it because we want to delay people's travel. Our goal is to get people traveling. We want them to travel safely, though. So even, like I said, sometimes we'll shut the road down, say, in Trinidad, and Trinidad's clear and sunny, or, you know, it's not that bad. But, you know, just a few miles up the road on Raton Pass, it's blizzard conditions, and it's almost impassable. We don't want people to get stuck in a situation like that. And out in southeast Colorado, a lot of people used um, their navigation applications to determine, oh, here's a side road. I can loop around this closure. Mm. And what happened is they ended up stuck in drifts, and CDOT crews spent a lot of time getting those people out of those drifts yesterday um, to get them back on the road and clear the road enough so the rest of the traveling public could travel. Like I say, we're not shutting it down to be funny. We're shutting it down because there's a serious issue up ahead you can't see, and we don't want you running into that situation. Right. I saw all those closures on the maps. Of course, no traffic cameras are really in those more rural areas, uh, but uh, we pass the information along to our listeners. But like you said, sometimes the development of uh, these apps and you know traffic navigation uh, technology has not been the best. <laughs> I always think about the, the driver in San Francisco who just followed a traffic app and it led him down a staircase, a pedestrian staircase. So, you know, the car crashed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, same can be true for, you know, uh, drivers when they're trying to, you know, they think they're navigating a road in Colorado uh, that's free and passable and it's not. Absolutely. And one of the things that, you know, we've been pushing probably since right after I started driving way back when, but um, seatbelts, seatbelts are really key. We know that seatbelts save lives. We know that if you're not wearing your seatbelt and you're in a collision, uh, your chances for serious injury or death increase substantially. Put your seatbelt on when you're driving that car or even if you're sitting in traffic so if somebody were to rear-end you or come at you from the side, that you maintain in the car where you're a little bit safer. And obviously, it goes without saying, never drive impaired. Um, you, when you drive impaired, it slows down your reaction times. It decreases your ability uh, to respond to the traffic around you and situations that may occur on the roadway. So those are two things that are really easy to do. Put on that seatbelt, and if you've been drinking or you know, using substances, you know, just don't get in the car. Save it for someone else. Call an Uber or just wait to travel at another time. Um, It'll save you. It'll save the lives of others. 
All right. Good information there in our final minute or so of this segment. Uh, do you want to pass along anything that people can do to uh, be better at driving in the snow during our stormy, uh, stormy periods? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is slow down. Um, we all want to get from place to place really fast. The Internet age has done that to us. But um, when you get snow and potential ice on the road, um, if you're traveling too quickly, you're just not going to, your car is not going to respond. Even if you have four-wheel drive, four-wheel drive still slide off roads. Uh, so slow down and take it time. Um, gauge the traffic in front of you and allow enough space. So those, that's probably one of the most important things I can come up with for you. Okay, fantastic. Uh, We need to take a break here. Amber Shipley, a Region 2 Communications Manager, is our guest today from CDOT. When we come back, we'll be tackling uh, updates on some of these projects. MAMSIPS, the project that involves uh, military access, we'll be talking about that and much more. Keep on listening to KRDO News Radio's The Extra. Welcome back to The Extra. Our guest today, Amber Shipley, who's with CDOT's Region 2, which includes our region, Colorado Springs, as well as Pueblo. Um, let's talk, let's start off, if it's okay, Amber, talking about MAMSIP. Uh, first of all, for our listeners who are used to this show, when, when once a month we talk about MAMSIP, it stands for Military, I'm going to try this, Military Access and Mobility Safety Improvement Projects, right? Bravo. You, you did better than I would have. I'm going to tell you that acronym gets me every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, the military loves their acronyms. And so this is just right in keeping with that. And it, it's not we'll just one dog, project. So you know. <laughs> it's an umbrella over several projects. Tell us about where we stand with this project and what's next. Sure. So along I-25, um, just a couple of weeks ago, we realigned traffic to where northbound lanes were in those brand new um lanes with uh, new guardrail and wider shoulders to allow people to pull off more safely. Um, Unfortunately, the winter weather um, has caused some extreme conditions, and along with that, there's been some significant travel uh, damage by the traveling public uh, to the new guardrails that were installed along there. So I want everyone to be aware that Next week, you're going to see um, some repairing of those guardrails, um, especially on the 16th and 17th coming up next week between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. So they're going to be working on that shoulder. So, you know, obey the, the posted speeds, you know, get over in the left lane or right lane, depending on which side they're working on to repair to make sure that those guys are safe as they do their work. Um, and, you know, there could be unforeseen issues if we get a storm that comes through, um, or if we don't have a part that needs to be repaired, we might have to uh, wait. So we ask for your flexibility and to adapt to that so we can make sure that the the repair work is done safely. So that's kind of some stuff we're having to do, um, you know, retroactively because of some damage that occurred last week with a, especially we had a big semi that rolled there in that brand Mm -hmm. new section at 129 and shut down the uh, northbound lanes for several hours. Um, so yeah, we're going to be doing that. And then other than that, um, we're getting rid of some of the detours, getting that median rate, uh, grading done so that we can put the median barrier in and, uh, get southbound lanes flowing. Um, so just the traffic configuration shouldn't change significantly over the next few weeks, uh, but there will be ongoing work there. 
And then the other big project in MAMSIP is the bridge at the bridges at South Academy Boulevard and I-25. So you've seen the beautiful new bridge that's going in there. The northbound uh, lane bridge has been completed, and they're actively working on that southbound uh, bridge to go in. So they're getting ready to set girders in mid-March. So there's all the activity coming up uh, to prepare for that. So that's a really big one. And, and, and then other than that, I was going to say circling, is, circling back yeah, though please. to that to the Mamsips. So the 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 damage that was done uh, was done by uh, you know cars getting in accidents. I mean the the guardrails are there. Uh, did they perform their job? They do usually. You know, in this case, it was um, a large uh, commercial vehicle with two trailers that turned on its side and crossed over the rails. So, I mean, it did stop it on the roadway to where it didn't go off um, the side too much, but it did cause significant damage. You know, when it's a smaller vehicle, obviously, they they typically do their job. In fact, we're collecting data from the public on that now, success stories of guardrails, because guardrails are intended to keep you from going off an edge and really getting getting hurt. So. Okay. It it did work, but with a large vehicle like that, it's not going to work as well as it might on a smaller vehicle. It was just bound to uh, cause some damage. Yeah. It's like having a brand new yeah. car, like right off the lot, and then you get into uh, a fender bender. <laughs> it's just disappointing. Yeah. And and our producer TJ wanted me to pass along to you and all of the uh, listening public that even though uh, you have all that nice pavement there, and it's not a permission to uh, speak in excess of what the speed limit is. He says he sees it every day. People going like 20 miles per hour over the speed limit through that stretch. Yeah. I mean, I just drove through there last night. And yes, I, you know, it's unfortunate that um, we all want to get places faster than we really need to. And a lot of times it doesn't save us the time that we think it will. Um, But we have those in place because we're trying to keep you and your own car safe and then it's the people around you or people working on the road. So especially in that MAMSIP area, we still have um, the lower speed in place of 60 miles per hour. So, you know, if you just pace yourself and go the speed limit, you'll get there just as fast as going 80 and ending up in a traffic log jam because you have to slam on your brakes. You don't really save that much time and you usually will frustrate yourself more and you put people at peril when you drive like that. So we really suggest going those speed limits because it does, it's there for a reason. Mm. Anything else about MAMSIP that we should know before we move on? Uh, the only other thing is that there are still those, um, El Paso County's got the project working on South Academy Boulevard. Um, And so they've got a detour in place there on the uh, South Academy Boulevard between US 85 and I-25 over Fountain Creek. You know, we had some, they had some problems with a bridge there that had some scour where they felt like the the one bridge wasn't safe. So they've got it down to a single westbound lane and then two eastbound lanes over Academy over that bridge. Um, And it's so at slower speeds, 35 miles per hour um, with a smaller width. Uh, a narrower width. So just be aware of that section. It's it's going to be that way for a while as El Paso County works on that project to expand the lanes along there. And then obviously they're just constantly assessing and figuring out how to 
repair that bridge so that we can they can get that back open. All right. Uh, good information there. And hopefully our listeners, because I know a lot of listeners uh, go through that stretch uh, every single day. Yep. And, um, and, and those who don't go through it, uh, but infrequently, uh, it, it's good for them to know that information so they can plan out their trips better. Uh, again, there is, as I understand it, a dedicated project website, right, where people can go for information on this? Yeah, if you go to CODOT, um, our main website, and go to projects, you can. There's a extensive MAMSIP um, website that has pictures of where it was, where it's been, where it is now, and all, all the specific lane closures, anything affecting travel, week by week, they update that. Great. Let's talk about Highway 115 because uh, there, uh, again, so this would be uh, in the highway that kind of parallels I-25 through the area where MAMSIPS is. Uh, let's talk about what improvements are coming there. You know, they're, they continued to work on that um, as we widen and um, make it, uh, it safer through there. So they're working on bridges and uh, pavement through there. Obviously, in the winter, it really narrows down the window of opportunity for work. Um, they work during daytime hours, which in a canyon like that where you've got uh, Cheyenne Mountain and the mountain range along there, it affects the number of hours that they can work. So again, you know, you've got the 45 mile per hour uh, in the work zone, which is a 12 mile um, section of, of highway. And it's a restricted width restriction of 11 foot, but you know, I found going through there, I've used it a few times um, to go around I-25, and it's it can be a beautiful drive, and going 45 miles an hour is a nice pace, and it'll get you through their safety and keep those work um, those workers safe as well. All right. We, we need to take a break here, Amber. Uh, stick around for uh, our final segment, and I hope our listeners do too. We're going to be tackling and talking about some of the other projects that are out there. Fillmore to Garden of the Gods. If you've driven past there, you know the work's underway um, on I-25. We'll talk about that when the extra continues. Welcome back uh, to our final segment here of the extra. I should tease this ahead uh, at the very start of the show because I think a lot of people would have been listening the entire way through because uh, they're dying to know what's happening between Fillmore and Garden of the Gods on I-25. We've seen some of the work. I've seen a lot of the work going on on the shoulder, especially some of those hilly shoulders. So Amber Shipley with CDOT, tell us what's happening. Yeah, so from Fillmore to the Garden of the Gods on I-25, there's a, a major project that's occurring there that you'll be seeing over the next couple of years um, until completion. But what we're doing is we're adding acceleration and deceleration lanes, solid lanes from Fillmore to Garden of the Gods, which allows for a much easier transition and doesn't cause that clogging that seems to happen when you have a lot of traffic trying to merge in and out. So that's where it's starting. So they're starting by blocking off um, on the west side of the highway. You've seen them starting to put up barriers and starting to do work. And some of the most extensive work right now is is occurring on the bridge that goes over Elston Street. Um, So right now there is a Sinton Trail closure at Elston Street and Chestnut Street with um, kind of a detour to go around that. We know how much the Colorado Springs um, area does use um, bike paths, and we know that that's significant, so that's part of our regular closure information is how Sinton Trail is affected because that's a major thoroughfare for bicyclists. 
Uh, that gravel underpass is going to be closed um, for a little bit longer as they uh, start some of the bridge work that's going to occur there. And it's going to have some significant impacts over the next year or two as we um, replace those bridges and add those acceleration, deceleration lanes to I-25. It's affecting Elston Street. So we want people to be aware of that and be sure to look at, again, those project pages we have where they provide specific information and they have specific information for those trail users. I've noticed a, a lot of uh, pipe that's been kind of been placed in the area. Is drainage something that you need to deal with when you're uh, doing a project like this? Absolutely. Um, anytime you're working along the edges of the highways, you want to make sure drainage is uh, adequate to um, obviously not damage the roadway and not cause a problem for the traveling public um, or even, you know, housing areas or business areas along the interstate there. So drainage is always a significant issue everywhere we go because when we get snow or we get rain, we tend to get a lot of it. <laughs> so we need to make sure that those areas have adequate drainage. Yeah, I was actually stuck in that probably exact area around Elston Street during a major, major uh, thunderstorm. I couldn't believe how much water accumulated on the roadway in just a very short amount of time. So glad it had somewhere to go with that drainage. So (laughs) yeah, just trying to keep it the same. Okay, so uh, what can we expect as the uh, months progress with that project? Well, you know, we'll start seeing uh, them working on um, adding those lanes, so there will be a lot more significant work occurring um, along the side of the, the roadway, So you and you will have a little bit of a, a slowdown there. So it's, it's set to a speed limit of 60 miles per hour during the day and 55 miles per hour at night um, because a lot of work we try to get done during the nighttime when it has lesser impacts on our traveling public. All right. So there you have it. And uh, if people yeah. would like to learn more, they can go to uh, cdot.gov, right? That's where they can find yeah. out the information. Okay. And look under the projects page there. Okay. Let's talk about now projects that are going to impact safety on US 24. Tell us about that. So if you've traveled on US 24 recently, you've probably seen that there have been some closures um, at uh, 31st Street where they're working on some pedestrian crossings to make it safer for pedestrians, slow down traffic more as they turn onto 31st or turn off of 31st and get onto 24, making sure pedestrians and bicyclists have a safer crossing and they're ADA compliant to ensure that everyone has access to those pedestrian bike paths. Okay. And this is not an area that you're looking to expand the capacity for uh, motorists there, right? Not at this time. Right now, it's really about making those um, those turning lanes uh, more accessible to pedestrians and that it slows people down. So it'll have a slight raised area, which slows people down, uh, the, tra- the cars. Like bumps, so like that, bumps, um, like speed bumps. Kind know, of. Pedestrians are a yeah. little safer because you know, we don't always keep an eye out for pedestrians. It's hard. They're in the shadow, maybe. So we want them to be safe as they cross. You going a little slower when you make those turns so that um, everyone's safe. Nobody wants to hit a person. Mm -hmm. Um, And we see it happen quite often lately in Colorado Springs and Pueblo where people are traveling too fast and don't see a pedestrian and the pedestrian gets hit. And a pedestrian 
versus a vehicle doesn't have um, quite the same. Right, doesn't stand much of a chance, depending on the speed, yeah. yeah. And also, that's kind of a popular route for, I'm thinking, tourists who are trying to get to, you know, some of the popular destinations like Garden of the Gods going the back way. And, you know, and they may be in an unfamiliar vehicle driving unfamiliar roads. So best to have all the safety safety tools at your uh, your, uh, ability to use. Absolutely. And that project should be wrapped up before we hit that um, big tourist season, um, the summer season. So we'll be wrapping that up later this spring. All right. Well, Amber Shipley, always a pleasure to talk to you. She is the communications manager for Region 2. We have just about a minute left. What would you like to impart to the listeners as a main takeaway of this hour of conversation? Well, just um, as I said, we've got another snow storm coming in and there will be another one probably next week. Just remember to to slow down and um, make sure you allow a plenty of room around the vehicles in front of you and our snow plows. Make sure that they're safe and that you're safe when they're out on the road. Bow to the plow. One of my favorite things to say. <laughs> Bow That's to the right. plow. <laughs> All right. Amber, thank you again for joining us on the Extra. Thanks, Shannon. And to our listeners, thank you for taking part in this hour of conversation. Uh, We always appreciate it, uh, and we bring you the extra every weekday, 9 to 10 a.m., as a way of increasing your engagement with the community around you. I'm Shannon Brinius, your host for the extra. Tom Martino is up after the break. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.